Native American movement, we have to base that on this, this spirituality. Without any spiritual foundations, no organizations will ever accomplish anything. And in fact, without spiritual basis, it will all crumble. How do you go about developing the spiritual basis? It's already there? It is already there. It has been with us for thousands of years. And many of our people are going back to their native religions, especially our young people who has been out into different parts of this country. Many of our elderly people has never left the county, have never left the state to, to really understand how it feels to be in large cities, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and around. Many of our elderly people doesn't know how it feels to be in these large cities and be discriminated against. But it took our young people to get out seeking jobs, going to these large cities. And many of them were turned down for jobs, not because they were alcoholics, not because they were ex-convicts, but simply because they were Indians, they were turned down. And even though applying for jobs, they never did get jobs because of uh, discriminating against their color. And then for many years, our young people, regardless of education, how much education they had did not help them because of their color. They were badly discriminated against, so they had to walk the streets of New York City with their heads bowed down in shame. But today, I find that those days are over. So our people begins to stand up in pride again. And this all came out from our young people who were willing to stand up and fight against the injustice done to our people. And today we find proud Indians again. And the only way they found pride was that they had to return back to who they are. The government has spent billions and billions of dollars on educating the Indian, trying to make an Indian whom he is not. And it has all failed. And we have proven that because, again, Mr. Indian stands up and again he's turned around and looked at his valuable way of life. He's turned around to see that there is nothing wrong with his religion. And so many of our young people has went back and picked up the religion that was put down for so long by education, Christian teachings, that put down the religion of the American Indians. And now they are returning back to what was given to them from the beginning of times. We can date, we can look back through the history, and we can date when Christianity began. We can understand uh, where different denominations, how they originated, where they come from. But native religion, we have to go back all the way to the beginning of times. Because in the beginning of times is when we found our religion. This is where we found a way of life for our people. And it keeps going on? Yes. It is still there. <clears throat> the, the tribal governments that we talk about, sometimes we get caught up in, 
in the laws that were set down for us. The laws that many times we argue about was made by men. But when we talk about the tribal government, the ancient government, it was not established by any government on earth because the governments that we follow are thousands of years old. And it is, it is nothing new to us. It is a government that is workable. It had worked for our people for thousands of years until that government was interrupted with. Then we begin to change our way of life, we begin to change our language, uh, our religion was changed into Christianity, and many of the tribal ways was changed. But what the life that we live in today is a modern way that was forced upon our Indian people. The governments that we have on every reservation today, such as the elected system, is not a tribal government, but it is a government that was laid down by the white man for us to live by. And that's why we have many disagreements, we have many factions among our tribes, because we are practicing something that does not belong to us. But when we, when we look back at the ancient government that we had, that government was workable for us, and it worked for us into thousands of years with no disagreement. So wherever I go, and I meet traditional people, we have no problems. We, have, we don't have that much confusion in understanding the creation, understanding our religion. We don't have that much confusion. And I find that most everywhere I have been, everyone who has been Americanized have been confused. No matter what country it is, these countries that have been Americanized are confused and I see that this society is very much confused to the extent that they cannot cross the street without getting run over, so they have to have to stop on the red light and go on the green one. Because we, we live in a confused society. And we can take a look on simple things such as even food that we eat today. We have become so confused that we don't know what we're eating. All the instant food that we find on the shelves, we read the ingredients on there. The ingredients that has a word on there that goes from across the box there. What educated man knows what that means? With all the education that we have in our universities, we don't even know what that word means. But we're eating it. So actually, we don't even know what we're eating. We're and very so, removed. Yes, we're, we're so far removed from natural way of life. Uh, we don't know what we're eating we, and we don't know what we're drinking. We're just here. And as I see, everyone becomes a robot. Even his mind is controlled. Uh, no one makes his own decision. And this is the way of life that has been shoved on Mr. Indian. And I find that our Indian people are not satisfied, they're not comfortable. There's unrest throughout this whole nation among the native people. Why? I take it that there is no failure in life. There is no such thing as failure in life until you try to be somebody else. There is no way you can fail if you are yourself. 
And this is what happened to the Indian people. Many of our Indian people are not themselves because, and so they are not satisfied, they're not happy. But when we turn around and look at the past of our ancestors, <clears throat> there was a way of life in which we found comfort, in which we found satisfaction. There is nothing that can take the place of being satisfied and being happy in life. Another man brought his value system here, which is different from what we've always had here. So there, then we find our Indian people caught in two ways of life. They're caught in two cultures. But it is an ancient saying that one does not ride two canoes because in time to come, a mighty wind will come and separate the two canoes and one will fall into disaster forever. So he has to be in one canoe or the other, which simply means is that the two cultures will not meet. And this is where we find our people. That time of separation has come. The, the two canoes are separating today. That mighty wind has come, according to the prophecies of our people. So we have this Indian feeling. We have Indians all over the country here. And not only Indians, we have the non-Indians who wants to be Indians. So something strange has come over this country, which is the fulfillment of our prophecies that that mighty wind has come. In wind, you do not see it, you only feel it. So there's a feeling that has come over people. That Indian awareness is here. So we find non-Indians who wants to be Indians, who wants to go out and live on reservation and practice the Indian way of life. And many of them uh, gets carried away on the thought of an Indian. So we find a non-Indian wearing an eagle feather on his hat, wearing a better beadwork than I have. And we find our people uh, wearing something to show identity. That Indian feeling is here. And we can see that. So the Indian awareness is here, but many of our Indian people have lost their language, have lost their way of life, and some of our people are wearing a little beadwork just to show that he's an Indian. But there is more to it than beads and feathers. There is something valuable in that way of life. And when we talk about the Indian way of life, perhaps it is an error to say Indian way of life. If we turn around and look at the history of mankind, it is only a human being way of life. But it so happens that the native people have preserved that way of life. I can take a musical instrument and begin to travel throughout the world and go all over the, the world. That musical instrument, whether it be a flute or whatever, some parts of the world, people there will not recognize that instrument. But I can take my drum, whether it be a small water drum or a big drum, and take it all over the world, and native people in different parts of the world will recognize it as a drum. Why? Because they too at one time had a drum. And when we talk about Indian dance, such as round dance, we say that's an Indian dance, but it is only a human being way of dancing because in our history we find that in other countries, they too, danced in a circle form, holding hands, dancing in a circle. 
So when we talk about the circle as a sacred hoop, that hoop, that circle had a meaning to all race of people at one time. But where did they lose it? Where did they lose their drum? Where did they lose their human way? Somewhere in the past, they too had a life very similar to what we call Indian way of life. Because in the beginning of times, we had no instructors, we had no teachers, so the Indian civilization had to be copied off of study of nature. And life couldn't have begun any different with any race of people. When life began with French people, German people, Italians or whoever, they too had no teachers, they too had no instructors, they too had no universities and colleges at one time. So how did life begin with them? Very similar to what we call the Indian way of life. So it is only a human being way of life, but it so happens that down through the history, people had lost the meaning of that circle. Not so much in reading a book or not so much in getting it from our teachers. All we have to do is simply look around and common sense will show us that the creation follows a circle. All natural things follows that circle. So today, uh, every creation still follows the original instructions of life. The pine tree is, remains what it is. The fruits, they come in a circle form. Many of our vegetables are in circle, are round. Apples, oranges. Your body is round, your eyes. The sun, the moon. The earth is round. And the native people have always known that. Then when I, when I study the history of the white man, I feel like that they lost these teachings many, many years ago, long before Columbus came here. They lost it because it was a thought over there that the earth was flat. But our people knew that it was round because all creation follows that circle. Within that circle, we found a way of life. So our religion is not unseen. Our religion is visible. When Christian teachings are invisible, it is in the belief of something that cannot be seen by our eyes, such as hereafter. We have no descriptions of hereafter because our religion is on this creation. We cannot give you a description of the Creator or we cannot give no one a description of the Great Spirit. Our Christian teachings tells us that there's a big guy up here that directs all life. Christian teachings tells us that there's some, some body or some spirit way up here that directs everything. But in our traditional ways of teaching, we do not separate the Creator from the creation. The Creator may be a tree. The Creator may be a fish. The creator may be a bird. The creator may be an animal. When we look at the Bible, the Bible tells us that no one has ever seen God, which backs up my idea or the native way of thinking about the Creator, that He may be a bird, 
tree or animal. No other way you can describe the Creator. Read your Bible from first page to the last page and you cannot give his description out of that book because in it it says no one has seen him. If no one has seen him, you cannot tell me that he's not a bird. If no one has ever seen him, they cannot tell me that he's not an animal. And there's no other way that you can describe him. Him or her, we don't know. Because the Creator is among this circle in the creation. And this is the religion of our people. So we have, we have no descriptions of hereafter. And it makes us wonder many times when we hear the descriptions of the golden streets, pearly gates and diamonds up there in which man has fought over. This is the value system of man today. Man have fought, they have stole, they have killed, they have murdered one another over these gold, diamonds and pearls all through the history of mankind. And then why did they have to place that in the Bible to convert us? If we had a desire for gold that bad, we would have fought over Black Hills many years ago. But we didn't. No one fought over Black Hills until the white men came here. So it makes us wonder, why did they have to place the man's value system in the Bible to convert us? I know there are a lot of conferences that are going on. The National Council of Churches puts on conference. The World Council of Churches puts on conference. They are now calling traditional people to come. Some 20, 25 years ago, they had no use for me. My ideas and my thoughts and my understanding of our uh, tribal ways, traditional teachings, no one had no use for. The churches was not about to listen to me talk about my traditional ways. But why, in, our, in the last 10 years, you might say, did they ch change their mind? What have changed the National Council of Churches? What have changed the World Council of Churches that they are now asking the traditional people to come here? We're having a conference over here. Why do they need me? Why are they calling me now, when, in which they didn't do that 20, 25 years ago? As I see it, the church membership is declining today. More and more, the church membership is declining. People are turning away from the Christian teachings today. The very survival of Christian churches depends on traditional people today. Because many of our people are going back to traditional ways. Even the non-Indian people are not going back to church anymore. But they prefer to go out here on the highways and hitchhike to California and hitchhike to Connecticut and Canada and they begin to travel all over searching for something, looking for something. Our young people are hungry for something that Papa could not provide for them. And Papa don't understand why Junior have grown his hair long. Papa don't know why Junior is running around barefooted with his shirt off. But it so happens that I understand what they're doing. And this is why I became one of the spiritual advisors to the American Indian movement, as well as many other movements, not only with the Indian people, but I began to go out and talk to the non-Indian people as well, 
And many of the universities that I have been to has no Indian students there. But the young people of today are very much interested in what I am talking about, and that is being a natural person, an ordinary human being. <coughs> because many years ago, Christian teachings separated that natural person, separated him from the natural world. And people have drifted away from that natural way of life. Until now, everyone has become confused. So there are, there's an interest among this young generation to go back to the natural way and just be an ordinary person. I think that we have listened to the educated man long enough. We have listened to the professors long enough we have went to school long enough, so it's time that we turn around and look at the grassroots people, the traditional people. Let's see what they have to say about our culture. We want to find out what kind of a teachings they can give us. After all, they are the ones that have lived that Indian life. No one ever had to tell us how to live. Life went on right here. As I said, we had a government that's thousands of years old, and it was workable for us. And we lived here and had to depend on no nations at all. We had never had to go to Cuba or Africa or anywhere else. Life went on right here without depending on any other country. We heard about the 200-year bicentennial a celebration of 200-year-old baby, as we see it. Because a 200-year-old baby could not walk by itself. So somebody had to hold its hands up that this 200-year-old baby would walk. And that someone had to be Saudi Arabia and many other countries that had to help this baby walk. But we're still yet proud to say that in the thousand-year history of our people, we never had to depend on no other nation for survival. For that reason, we'll be having this conference to bring out what is valuable to us, what, what made us survive. How do we get back to being independent? To be sovereign, we must be self-sufficient and not so dependent. These are some of the discussions that will no doubt be brought out. Culture is a way of life. We had no need for no one to tell us how to live. We had a way of life. And there was nothing wrong with it. We have plans made for us ever since the days when they begin to make treaties with our ancestors. They begin to tell us how to live and how to act and what to do. There has been many, many laws made through Congress, reorganizations acts, and so on, to better the lives of the Indian people. But these plans were not made by the Indians. 
The plans were made by someone who has never even seen an Indian in Washington somewhere. The plans that was made for the Indians have all failed miserably. None of them has been workable. Even to this day, many different tribes have tried to use these programs. They have tried to use these reorganization acts and it's still not working. Many of the programs that are available for us, to me, there is no future in them. So I feel like that times come that we have to sit down and make our own plans. And see, the government will not deal with us on spiritual basis. Many times our Indian people feels like that, uh, and they even say that uh, we're going to beat him at his own game. But we're forgetting that we're in his ball field, and he's changing the rules right in the middle of the ball game. So we're going, uh, as, as far as we're concerned as elders in our council, we're going to deal with the government on a spiritual basis because they will not deal with us, but they don't know how to handle it. We don't approach the government as a good Republican or Democrat. We're not going to approach him as a Catholic or Protestant. We're going to approach him as American Indians, having our culture, having our identity, having our spiritual beliefs as we have. And with this, I would say that according to the prophecies of our people, that the Indian people will emerge Eventually they will overcome because they have the understanding of survival. And if necessary, I would say that this civilization is coming to an end in which no courts of this country have no control over. Such as the BIA takeover of 72, in which I was involved in it. When we took over the Bureau of Indian Affairs in 1972, we reminded this country that we have a treaty, 371 treaties with the United States government in which everyone has been violated. That our treaty was that as long as the sun rises and as long as the river flows and the grass grows, this is our understanding among all native people. And we reminded this country that this is the kind of treaty that we made with them, which was ignored by President Nixon and many others. On the day I left Washington, after the takeover, it was raining on that day. And in that year, Mississippi River was out of its banks, causing the U.S. Treasurer millions of dollars. While we were in the B Bureau of Indian Affairs, it was put out in the paper that we had done $2 million worth of damages there. But Mississippi River alone cost the U.S. Treasurer more than $2 million. Missouri River was out of its banks. And this was recorded that uh, this, uh, this was a hidden record in the past hundred years. Why was this happening? Our native people are related to nature. When we reminded the Americans that we have a treaty, it was ignored. But these two rivers, that did all these damages only backed up our statement that the river still flows. And then repeatedly we have said 
that there are certain forces that the government does not control. It doesn't take the act of Congress to make it rain. It doesn't take the act of Congress to make it snow. And we know, as Native people, that the earth is becoming unbalanced because the prophets of our people told us that many years ago, that this was going to happen. So the Indian people are ignored through their court systems. But eventually, certain forces will come about to make changes in this country. When this civilization comes to an end, the people who follow the original instructions of life, perhaps, will stand here. And the people that thought that we cannot give this land back to the Mashpee Indians, their thoughts would be overcome. And someday the Mashpee Indians will live on their land without, in, without even the court actions. Do you think that most people really, really believe that civilization is going to come to an end? No, I don't think most people is aware of that. Why? Because of their plans of what they're doing now, of the nuclear plants, planning those kind of a future, they are not aware of how long this civilization will go on. And what I have seen, their plans are for destructions instead of life. The air pollution, water pollution, uh, no one is solving that. And only a very few people are waking up to understand how to survive. We can see in all over the world Prophecies, native people, biblical prophecies also comes to pass. And all this comes to one thing, and it all leads to destruction. Education is needed. A proper education is needed. Even in our universities, colleges, I think that they receive a wrong kind of education. The truth is hidden from the American people. We study the American history and we find a little bitty paragraph about like this about American Indians and everything's about Benjamin Franklin, George Washington and everybody else. So I think that our students at these universities are deprived of what they should be uh, learning. And that's why we were listening to a group over here talking about the stereotyped Indians. The truth has never been brought out to our students. So they still have their mindset on television of what they saw in John Wayne movies. So I walk on a university campus and there's 18-year-old boys, 17-year-old boys standing across the street giving that old familiar sound. I never did hear an Indian say that. 
I heard that on John Wayne movies. So those kids went to university to get a higher education, and why didn't they get it? Why are they still stuck with their television? They're now 17 years old and 18 years old, but in their minds, it is still in John Wayne movies. I believe that when talking about discrimination against Indians, I'm not discriminated against as bad as a white man is. My own people have never discriminated against me. But I see the white man is being discriminated against because the truth is hidden from him. And I learned that through Watergate. That the truth is never brought out to the American people. The young students of our universities are badly deprived of what they should really know about American Indians and many other things. So education on American Indians is badly needed in every university. And that's why an Indian doesn't have a chance in court. Because already, deep down in their minds, uh, they have the ideas of what an Indian is. And now it has become to the extent that a court can tell you who you are. When I know who I am, I don't have to have a racist judge sitting up there telling me who I am. I know who I am. But over all these years, the, the American people have studied the Indians. They have dug up this earth, seeking evidence, history of our people. They have dug up the graves of our people, studying their bones. Why not study their ancestors? Don't tell me anything about the disease that we had, we had when they come here. Don't tell me that the Indians were deformed. Tell the students that Napoleon was deformed. He had one short leg. Tell the students that Benjamin Franklin had syphilis, which affected his mind. That's why he was out there fooling around with lightning. <laughs> tell the students that George Washington had black kids. Don't be searching my history. Search your own history. Then we will find out who we are. Then the judge don't have to tell us who we are. I've been to Switzerland, Germany, Belgium, all over. In Switzerland, they have preserved their castle. I visited their old churches there at the castle, which only seated about 24 people. I guess they had 24 Christians in Switzerland or in that area. Right next door is the torture chambers in which they tortured their people. Then tell me who the savage is. And this was happening long before Columbus came here. That in these old castles they have preserved their torture chambers there. I have seen it. And it made me wonder, you know, now who's the savage? Here in America, we don't have that kind of evidence. We have no evidence of prisons. We had no jailhouses. Does it mean that we had no laws? Or does it mean that we had no criminals? 
What was history like prior to Columbus? We know. We understand. So I think that more and more education is needed. But the rightful education. Uh, quit telling us the good things all the time. So there, there is a basis of our survival schools today. We have survival schools all over now. They're springing up everywhere. Minneapolis, St. Paul, they in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, there's where we had our first survival school, the Little Red Schoolhouse, which still continues to go on. Then we have one in Minneapolis, Pine Ridge, and other places now. We had to establish these survival schools to give our children the rightful education. So we begin to teach them our religion, we begin to teach them the true history of the past. So no longer are we going to sit around and listen to a teacher telling us that Columbus discovered America. So we're telling our children that Columbus didn't discover anything. I went to Switzerland and I landed in Geneva more than a year ago. But I didn't go before the press and say that I discovered Switzerland. I went to Africa last October, but I didn't say that I discovered Africa because there was already people there. So it was the same thing when Columbus came here. So these things we are teaching our children today. A lot of times it was thought that we were teaching them how to be militant. The FBI's, their agents have been there time over and over to visit our schools to see what we were teaching. But we were not teaching them anything wrong because we're believers in the truth. So we're only bringing out the truth to our children. And that's why we're establishing these survival schools to give them the rightful education. So the native people are believers in the truth and not in facts. A lot of times I go before the press, they ask me how many people I represent because they believe in the uh, democratic form of government. They want to know how many followers I have. But I let them know that I'm not representing a thousand people, but I represent the truth. And it doesn't take a thousand people behind me to prove the truth. If it's the truth, you have to admit that it is the truth. If we believe in majority to bring about the truth, where did President Nixon go? Majority elected him, but majority couldn't make him do the right thing. And if people in this country believe in majority so much, if I would ask them, let's go down the street down here and burn every church house on the corner, how many followers would I get? Nobody would follow me to burn down these church houses. But it is true that majority of people kill Jesus Christ. If people followed majority, they would follow me. But I don't believe in majority. Majority can be mistaken. <laughs>